0: Macworld Podcast number 346 for March 13th, 2013. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Recently, our sister publication, TechHive, ran a series of articles from tech luminary Andy Anotko that outlined his many reasons for switching from the iPhone to an Android-based Samsung Galaxy S3. Like many people, I was curious to hear more of Andy's thoughts, So I gave him a jingle and he was kind enough to spare nearly an hour to expand on what he had to say in his articles. Before praising or damning his decision, I hope we'll take the time to listen to what he actually had to say. And here we go. I'm joined by Chicago Sun-Times technology columnist, Macworld contributor, MacBreak Weekly regular, host of the Anatko Almanac podcast, and Man About Town, Andy Anatko. Welcome to the Mackerel Podcast, Andy.
1: You left out gadfly.
0: Ah, and gadfly.
1: I I realized I only got my certification four months ago, but...
0: Yeah, no, I hadn't checked your LinkedIn page since then, so uh, (laughs) now I know. Um, recently you penned a series of articles for TechHive, which we at Macworld also had a chance to look at, and it explained why you switched from the iPhone to an Android based Samsung Galaxy S3. Now, a lot of writers do this as kind of a stunt. You know, they, they have a device and then they put it down for a month and they pick up another device and say, oh, and they describe the terrible pain or the joy of using this thing. And then they go back to what they were using before. But in your case, this isn't a stunt. You've actually changed devices. So can you explain why you did that? Yes, but first, um, it's not
1: exactly – I do that a lot. It's not exactly a stunt. Uh, I, I review a lot of different devices over the course of a year uh, and I do get to play with pretty much every new phone that comes out. And I do find that I'm such a, a devoted iPhone user. I mean, I've been using one since uh, since like the day one of, of revision one. And so I'm so used to the way that iPhones work that I kind of have to put the iPhone aside and use this new Android phone or this new BlackBerry or this new Windows phone device exclusively for a couple of weeks, just so I can shed uh, shed shed away all my expectations of oh this this is not working the way that the iPhone works because sometimes not working the way the iPhone works is actually a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. But it takes you a while to do that, so it's not necessarily a stunt that you uh, put something aside for a while. But yeah, there was uh, there was a big change this time. because Google had made a lot of improvements in Android uh, in the previous two iterations because uh, I've reviewed the very first Android phone that came out with Android. I think it shipped with Android 1.5, 1.6, and it was a nice effort, but certainly certainly nothing you could take seriously, certainly nothing I was going to recommend. Android 2.0 came out, and that was at least good enough that I could say If you feel as though you're locked into Verizon or Sprint or whatever carrier that is not AT&T and you don't want to switch carriers because iPhone is an AT&T exclusive, this is at least serviceable. It's not nearly as good as an iPhone. But if you can't get an iPhone on your current carrier and you you can't switch, okay, this will do you. 3.0 was – kind of a skip year for for, for Android. It wasn't really very good. But 4.0 was the first really solid, really mature version of the operating system that had a lot of nice features hardwired into it, a lot of nice new features and a lot of old features that had really found its way into maturity. On top of everything else, Google had managed to roll back a little bit on their policy of making this a, you know, Happy Valley Hippie community. Uh, of developers saying, oh, no, no, please, it's our job just to release the source code and then you guys write whatever apps you want and make them do whatever you think they should. And over the previous year or two, they realized that this is not resulting in top drawer software being written. So they said, well, here's some rules that we want to impose upon you. And here are some guidelines for how to develop a really good user interface that works well with all the all the dingbats that we have put into this this operating system. And as a result, it became a really compelling platform. Uh, at the same time, companies like HTC and Samsung started producing uh, wonderful devices. Uh, the, these prestige top drawer phones—you know, these these uh, the, these banner uh, banner bearers for the entire line—that they're not designed to be these subsidized phones that you, see, you buy in a blister pack behind the counter at the drugstore uh, for fifty dollars and then pay-as-you-go contract. These are designed to be real flagship p- phones uh, and be as emphatic a statement about how good this company is at designing hardware as Apple uh, makes a statement when they release an iPhone. And what, hap- what was happening was that I would have this phone to test out for about a month or so and then I'd go through go through my testing process, I would write my review, I would hang on to it for another two or three weeks after the review uh, and then I would send it back and then I would go back to my iPhone. Uh, and all all along, I'd been used. I'd be using both phones side by side. But when I went back to just using the iPhone, there'd be so many features that I would kind of miss out on. Uh, and one of the big ones was a legitimately larger screen. It got so hard to switch back to. Uh, let's let's uh, be kind and call it a compact mm-hmm. <laughs> design of of the, of the iPhone 4s after using the 4.8 inch screen of the Samsung Galaxy S3 because for me, just it, the larger screen made everything better. Uh, as I, I uh, My phone spends a lot of time on my car dashboard as a navigation tool, far, far better. As just simply a, a media player where the buttons are big and easy to read and easy to hit, much, much better. When I'm actually at the coffee shop and I, I want to read a book or I want to catch up on my news feeds uh, or even just watch a movie, again, so much bigger, so much better. And uh, of course, I was very familiar with the usual complaint that A lot of commentators have made about oh well, Android phones. It's just a gimmick. It's just like when you go into the when you go into the TV department at a at a at, at Target or Walmart, and of course they 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 amp up the color and they amp up the sharpness to give you this artificial sense that it's better when it's really not better at all. Uh, And I really had to say, no, it's not just – people aren't just gravitating to these larger phones because they are physically a larger object for the same money. It's a book in which you don't have to turn the pages quite so often, where the margins are wider and more comfortable, where uh, if you're watching an HD movie and you feel as though you're really grasping some of the scale and some of the detail uh, that's in this picture. Uh, and that there there in the in these series of articles i did- I did boil it down to four key features that I really liked about Android that made it so hard for me to return back to my lifestyle of iphone uh but the large the large screen is probably the definitive one of the four uh, and so when I realized that uh I really did miss the iPhone that much uh, I had a, a Samsung galaxy s three for uh, for a long time. Uh, and I realized that, look, I mean, you're just using this day after day after day and you keep telling yourself that this is just sort of like your Wi-Fi uh, iPod uh, in the pocket. Uh, the next step was, well, let, let's get the my SIM reprovisioned so I can at least put it inside the the Android phone and just use it as – you know, just, just use it as a connection to the internet occasionally if I want to do that. Uh, and I did that with the idea that uh, I've got a SIM extractor tool. I keep it in my wallet because, you know, these, you, you know how it is. It's, you have this tiny little tool. You're going to lose it unless you have it right in your wallet where you mm-hmm. can find it at all times. And, I, my, and my idea was that I'm sure that I'll probably, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have the SIM inside the Samsung when I'm doing a, on a day when I'm doing a lot of driving. I'll keep it inside the iPhone when I'm doing a lot of other things. But the fact of the matter is that once that SIM got inserted inside the Galaxy S3, it just I just didn't find myself missing the iPhone. And that was the weirdest thing, because uh, as a someone who writes about technology, I, I like to think that I'm good at uh, finding an objective opinion about things where I, I certainly have my opinions about things, but I like to be able to say categorically, here's the reason why I believe those sort of things. Um, and yet I had to keep con- keep coming down to the fact that this the galaxy was going to be a better phone for me and the reasons why i i use a phone and that the reasons why i was sticking to my iphone were because it had that lovely apple logo on the back of it and i've been an i've been an iphone user i mean not not just since day one i mean i was uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a briefing after Steve Jobs announced it in January. And I got like 45 minutes of hands-on time with an actual working device. And I remember how excited I was just to, to try this thing that was completely brand new. And I have this legacy with Apple that goes all the way back when I was in fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And I first used a, an Apple two uh, Plus or two e. Uh, and it was, it's just so hard to – have to tell myself that I have found something that I actually like better than an apple product, and now i'm sort of required to switch to this other apple product or else i'm sort of a fraud aren't i
0: well, how much of this is based on the physical form of the phone versus the operating system uh the
1: the big screen is 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 a very big deal uh Three out of those four reasons, though, had to do with things I liked about Android, not just the hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really wanted to be very specific about these other things. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into the, the head-to-head roundup between Google Now and Siri, or isn't it? Or here's how easy it is to access a drop-down menu. It really wasn't these. I really didn't want to get bogged down in these nitpicky details. I really wanted to get to the big, big broad sort of issues. And there are just so many things about Android that I preferred. One of them was the keyboard, because uh, I spent a lot of time capturing text uh, on, my, uh, on, on my phone. And so I really need to be able to type quickly and accurately. And I could just type so much faster uh, on an Android phone, partly because the screen is larger, and therefore the buttons are larger, but also because you have the option of modifying how the keyboard works. Whereas iOS, I mean, it's an Apple product, which means that by default, Uh, The philosophy is here, we have designed it to be perfect. Why would you want to change something that's perfect? We are smarter than you. We understand this better than you. We think more about this than you do. Uh, so this, we're giving you the thing that's perfect. Samsung uh, Samsung and Android are saying, we don't necessarily, we, we're we taking a good guess at it, but if you don't like it, we're going to let you change it. Uh, and one of the things you can do is not only change the methods of inputting text, but also you, if you want, you can buy a third-party keyboard and install it. Uh, and uh, I use a, a third-party keyboard called SwiftKey which is amazing at its ability to predict what you're uh, typing based on uh, context and sentence structure. Uh, and so uh, whereas iOS will auto-complete the word if you've typed in the first couple of, uh, a, a couple of characters in it, mm-hmm. SwiftKey will not only do that but would also say, well, if you, if you, you start a sentence with I, I bet the next word is going to be love. And so we'll just sort of throw that up there too. If you want to tap this button, I'll, I'll, I'll type in love. Then, oh, he's typed I love. I bet it's either you or burritos. So I'm going to put up you and burritos, maybe a third option. And I can just tear through these things so, so quickly. Uh, and I'm not going to – one, one of the things that got, was very controversial as it turned out about that piece was – I find that because uh, I type really, really, really fast on these virtual keyboards, I find that I was activating the text, the the, the speech to text button on iOS about every second or third sentence. And every time that happened, I got so frustrated and so annoyed. I can l- honestly say that it was the only thing probably about any Apple product that made me hate that product in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm, I'm sort of got this idea in my head that's maybe even half formed. I'm just making a note, an Evernote or something, so I remind it. I remember it so I can write it write it, write it, it up later on. And I just I, – and right in the middle of the sentence, I hear boom, boom. Like what? Hi, I'm here to take your dictation. Yeah, actually you're interrupting me and now I have to go back to the sentence that now I'm going to turn you off and try to get my flow back again. Will you please just shut up and let me type? Uh, so there so there's that uh, another element was just how easy it is to move data between apps uh, on uh, on Android uh, they have a sharing mechanism that is pretty much infinitely ins- extensible so uh, in iOS we're used to how easy it is to take a photo and uh, and put it on Twitter or put it on Facebook uh, that sort of extensibility affects pretty much every Android app with every kind of Piece of information that can be categorized. Uh, I love the I love the way that uh, if I'm want to navigate to uh, to a friend's house, I can just go to the address book. Here's the, expose the address somehow. Tap on it and then send that address to pretty much any app inside uh, this device that knows how to deal with an address. So sometimes maybe I'll be sending it to to uh, uh, to. To uh, ways because I want like really good live traffic. Sometimes it's someplace I've never driven before, so I really want it to go to the Google Map, the Google Navigation app for better turn-by-turn directions. Or maybe I just want to set it into twist because I just want uh, that my friend to get notifications as I go and it's just emblematic of how much easier it is to share information inside uh, inside android on uh, on the iphone i really would have to you, the only way to really do that consistently is to use cut copy and paste which is nice it's i'm not begrudging cut copy and paste i use cut copy and paste i would i would vote for cut copy and paste if it were running for a spot on my local school board <laughs> love cut, co- cut copy and paste but uh, again it's another one of those points where i find myself getting things done much much more quickly uh, on android than on ios um and there's and other things were just the ways that uh i just love the op- the, the the greater openness of android i, I get, it gets back to something that really infuses every part of the experience um you can understand why ios doesn't do a really good job at managing data between apps um partly it's because of how tightly sandboxed it is but i think mostly it's because uh, ios Truly, was never the iPhone was never designed to be a third-party app host. It, re- I, I really do believe that they were very, very uh, uh, confident that people would use web apps for everything, and they would never have to open an app store for everything, for anything. So a lot of that core-level infrastructure that you need just isn't there. But the other part of it is what I was getting to earlier that. Uh, Apple has a philosophy of we know more than you do about how software works and how hardware works and how to design things so that people will enjoy the user experience. They are correct about this because they do spend all of their time thinking about this, whereas we, you know, money consumers, they'll spend maybe a couple hours in a phone store messing around with a piece of hardware. They don't really think about it that much. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that uh iPhones and iOS devices are a lot easier to use. I'm sorry, I should, I should narrow that. I, I'm talking specifically about iPhones. iPads are still uh, still rule the world, uh, but uh, uh, iPhones really are easier to use to start off with. But the 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 fact of the matter that uh, the the fact that Apple allows excuse me that uh, Android allows you to make changes as you go to gradually create a custom fit for you and the way that you manage your device. Uh, it's not as easy to use for the first couple of weeks as an iphone is but i find that after a month after 2 months after 3 months after 4 months it keeps getting easier and easier and easier and quicker and quicker and quicker uh, because every time it seems like every time there's something about this device that you don't like there's a way to fix it or correct it uh, and the example that i use in uh, in the uh, uh in in the in the series of articles is this uh, is this uh, really cool app called shush for android where um, there was a big – there was kind of a little public kerfuffle I think it was last year uh, when somebody in the New York Times wrote a post about – how somebody's iPhone started making noise in the middle of like a a, 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 a a the symphony a symphonic some sort of really really quiet hush hush uh, performance where you're not really supposed to you're supposed to turn off your phones beforehand. But this person decided, oh well, I've got this mechanical switch on the side of my iPhone that if I put it into this position, it silences the device. So I'm gonna so that's not gonna that's not gonna be a problem. What he did not know was that he had set a, an alarm or some sort of a, uh-huh. re- a reminder, and he didn't he didn't know that the switch is actually just the ringer silence Mean, silence the whole device. Uh, so the iPhone doing something that was actually quite correct. The, the The philosophy there was that well, the user told me specifically to make sure I make this noise on this day at this time, mm-hmm. and so I believe that that desire it overrides any other expression of what I should do right now. So I should definitely make that make that noise. Uh, my reaction to that, when there was a lot of discussion about that in the, in the blogs and uh, with commentators, was that there should at least be a setting somewhere deep inside. Uh, so that if if a person wants to say the, the mute switch affects all noise whatsoever instead of just uh, ringers and just uh, just text and stuff like that. Uh, because if someone would be confused by the presence of that setting, they won't find it unless they go looking for it. And if someone goes looking for it, that means that they are really disappointed with the way that the phone is designed to work. And so that'd be a good thing to do. So on Android, there is a default, there is a default mode for uh, how uh, how to silence the phone. But the cool thing is that with uh, this app uh, installed, when I take the volume all the way down to zero, instead of it, uh, instead of it just simply muting the phone, another dialog box pops up uh, provided by the app that says, okay, well, I've muted the phone. If you'd like, you can check this option, and I will automatically turn the ringer back and all the noise back on again and at, after an interval that you specify. So it's easy to simply say, okay, great, turn everything back on again after the movie's over that's so that's so it's the I didn't switch just for this little app but it's, the, it's little things like that that usually if there's something wrong with this or something I don't like about it there's a way that I can take control over it and override whatever decision Google or Samsung made uh, and so it's these little things that uh, again the, the shocking realization that I made that kind of really solidified my decision was that I find that it's easier for me to use the Samsung than it is for me to use the iPhone at this juncture again uh, for me and for the things that I use a phone for I'm not saying that in any way that the iPhone is uh, not as good uh, as the Galaxy S3, and no way am I saying that uh, iOS is not as good as Android. Uh, As a matter of fact, my biggest fear as I was writing this was that this was going to be uh, used as a really, really stupid example for people who really want to make the case. Of, oh, yes. Yeah, Apple has ceased to innovate and by maintaining the, the, the by trying to become the stylish company, they've allowed Google to eclipse them and Microsoft is also going to eclipse them and the company is now doomed. Doomed, I say. <laughs> you see? No less a personage than Andy and Notko himself has abandoned I have, Apple of, of jumping off the ship before it sinks. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. As a matter of fact, paragraph two, I said I'm not saying that now you're being silly and now you're making me feel very, very sad that I wrote this, sir.
0: Right. And on the flip side, you've got the Apple faithful or some of them um, who were very disappointed (laughs) in your piece and they felt that you'd personally betrayed them. So what's your reaction to that when people say, oh, Andy, clearly you were paid by Samsung or X, Y, or Z, that you're a terrible person. You're out of touch and to have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Well, that's it's it's lovely when someone is so silly. (laughs) <laughs> because i mean if if, if someone says I'm not sure I'm not sure that you really understand how important it is to, to people to have a simplified experience that they're, they're – they're, the vast majority of people really are eager to give up that kind of hands-on control in exchange for having something that's simple and a little bit more reliable. It's like, OK, well, I have to actually now look deep inside myself and reevaluate my own choices and my decisions to make sure that I really had considered that as, as thoroughly as if I had to. If someone says, oh, I'm going to un- – I can't follow you on Twitter anymore because you like something that I don't like. It's like, oh, that's, I, that's not my responsibility at all. You're kind of stupid or and silly and crazy and I'm not responsible for other people's stupid stupidity and silliness and craziness. Um, it, I understand how it becomes uh, – it can become a passionate issue and this is why I think the last part – the last uh, section of that series to me was uh, probably the most heartfelt because I ended really by talking about how tribalism is starting to ruin uh, the Apple community and really all communities of technology – That it should not be in any way important uh, what logo you uh, what what logo of what device that you're using, and you shouldn't feel as though you have to be faithful to this multi-billion-dollar dollar dollar company. There was one quote that I was so pleased when Jason decided to make it into a poll quote, which is that you know if you if you give half of a damn about. What, what multi-billion dollar company is, quote, winning, unquote, against what other multi-billion dollar company? You desperately need to drop some acid and spend some time in an ashram uh, because I mean, there's, there's so many people who feel as though if someone says something nice about a product that you don't – that competes with a product that you own, you are saying something nasty not only about that product that they own but about themselves and their and their choices. And you shouldn't be that emotionally connected to this consumer item that you own. It's a tool. Uh, You should love what this tool does for you and how it enhances your life, makes your life easier and also broadens your perspective and broadens your capabilities. You should love that. You shouldn't love the company that makes it and you shouldn't love the physical device itself. Um, I, to the people who are reasonable, uh, I can only say that I'm sorry that this disappoints them, uh, but that if it reassures them uh, about, uh, Anything else that they might have heard me write that they might have liked that when I say nice things about a competitor of Apple, that only underscores the sincerity of the rather voluminous praise that I've given other Apple products, including the iPhone in the past. Uh, I've, the thing that I'm on guard against is that I don't want my affection for Apple to cloud my interpretation of every new thing that they do. Uh, I, I, I still remember what it was like when I was a kid. And I eagerly awaited the release of uh, George Lucas's next movie, uh, Radioland Murders. Because, oh, it's George Lucas, and he's the guy behind Star Wars, and he was the producer behind Rays of the Lost Ark, and I and I love everything this, that George Lucas does. And this is going to be incredible. This is going to be a great movie, and it really was not a very good movie at all. It was weak, and it was slow-paced, and it was kind of confusing, and it kind of taught me that you can't tell yourself that you like everything this person does because that's not really praise for their work. That's praise for the cult that you yourself have erected around this person. I mean George Lucas is not responsible for the amount of affection that I've erected around his life and his work. I think he would like me to really appreciate what he does for what he does. And I I would like to think that people can believe the things that I tell them, that they might disagree with me, my opinion may not even be applicable or relevant to how they use devices and what they expect of new products, but they can at least believe that it's coming from uh, valid sources a lot of consideration, a lot of thought and uh, a fear of not getting my facts right or you know, discover – being the last person to discover, I got my head up my butt. So if that – if I lose some people along the way, then I think those are people I was going to lose at some point anyway.
0: Right. So when you switched, were there any things that you missed about the iPhone?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I really missed Siri. Uh, and uh, I think that a lot of the side-by-side comparisons of Google Now versus Siri miss the point that they're two very different things. The, the fact that they're sort of uh, search-based micro-browsers, so to speak, that are tailored for certain kinds of information, that's only a tangential overlap between what these two functions do. I love how uh, – I-, I love how uh, – uh, I love how Siri really is an alternative uh, user interface uh, for a whole bunch of functions. I mean, there's so many functions that don't actually require you to look at a screen or uh, or uh, or tap into a keyboard. Uh, it's not a convenience thing. Is that if you re- just want to be reminded that uh, I should check on this roast in 35 minutes, what's easier than simply holding down a button and say set a reminder for 35 minutes and you got a voice feedback saying timer set for 35 minutes. There's nothing easier than saying uh, set set uh, uh, set a uh, set an appointment for lunch with Ted on Thursday afternoon uh, on 53rd Street, and it just simply happens. Uh, I wish that I had that sort of functionality uh, on the Android phone because now for those sort of things, I do have to kind of drill into specific apps. Uh, Android does, and it, even Google now, does have – uh, voice recognition, but it's not nearly as polished. Uh, it, it can, I can create a reminder. I can create a countdown. I can create a calendar thing, but it really does require that I phrase it the way that it ex- expects it to be phrased. Whereas Siri will just take, will take apart every element of my of the sentence that I just spoke into it and figure out what I meant from it. So of everything, that's probably the one thing that the, the one f- software feature that I miss the most in terms of hardware, nothing can cut – nothing can touch uh, the iPhone's camera, uh, mm. and I miss that a lot. Um, the Galaxy S3 has a very, very good camera in and of itself. Um, when the iPhone 5 came out, I did probably the most comprehensive camera tests I had done uh, in years where I took five different uh, phones out include, and and my, uh, my uh, Micro Four Thirds, like traditional Panasonic camera out, took the same shots – with all uh, all five or six devices, did a series of like twelve of these things, not not just like studio setups, but taking a walk through Boston, going indoors, going outdoors, taking a wide range of photos. Uh, I posted them. Uh, I, I posted them to my uh, to my Flickr account, uh, hiding, just giving them little labels and hiding the identities of these cameras, just inv- invited people to pick out which are the best ones, which are the worst ones. And I was very, very pleased to find that in so many of these shots, people actually preferred the Samsung Galaxy S3 uh, to the, even the iPhone 5. But when it comes down to f- the sort of shots where you – they're not ideal situations. You're not outdoors. The lighting is not very good. Uh, there's a lot of shadow uh, detail that you want to try to capture. You want to get a portrait. You want to get really good, accurate skin tones. Man alive, nothing will touch an iPhone. So I'm looking forward to uh, the 2013 series of phones out there. Uh, I'm not sure that I value a camera so much that I would allow that to trump every other consideration. But really, if it if if uh, if there's ever another uh, another phone that's within one letter grade, let's say, of uh, the phone that I have right now, and it has a much better camera, oh boy, I'll switch in a heartbeat. I, I As it is, I'm carrying, I often find myself carrying my my iPhone 4S in my pocket, and it's, I'm really just using it as a camera, because as a tiny little slim pocket camera, you know, it, with, with Wi-Fi and with connections to the internet, it, it really is a, a world beater.
0: Right. Now, a lot of times people bring up the point that if you have an iPhone and you have iTunes and you're living in the Apple ecosystem syncing is so much easier but does that matter to you at all with android because you're doing everything over the air anyway or are you using it with your mac and you find that relationship is okay it's it it works
1: out just fine and for a couple of reasons now there's the, i'm gonna uh, i'm doing a follow-up uh, for tech hive sometime this week uh which i'm going answering a lot of questions that have been sent in by people uh, and that really is one of the big ones how do you handle syncing data um and I think one of the differences is that Apple sort of sowed the seeds of their own defeat for me because they themselves sort of started encouraging people that, oh, you why, why would you want to – this is a wireless world. Why would you want to tether something to a device with copper wire to sync when there's a whole world of internet that you can u- use to sync things from? So already I was using uh, Wi-Fi and the internet as, as central depositories mm-hmm. of data uh, to sync through. Um iCloud is a really really big win for me on the iPad however I was never using it on the iPhone because the I I use my iPhone and my iPad in very different ways so uh, iCloud would have been a big hurt if I had been relying on it on the iPhone I don't use it at all so that's okay I still have access to Dropbox so that's that really is the center of my cloud syncing for all kinds of my work so uh, that was negligible Uh, I still with I started using Reminders and Notes in iOS as part of my workflow for the first time like last year mm-hmm. uh, because for whatever reason, it just wasn't – it, it doesn't matter how good a tool is. For some reason, there has to be a way that you work in which this is a solution to a problem. And for some reason, just having a centralized reminder system and a centralized Notes system just wasn't part of my workflow until last year. And as soon as I started using them effectively – this had nothing to do with any desire to switch. I sort of instinctively believe that, yeah, but what if you want to access those notes on a device that's not an Apple device? What if I want my reminders to be used on something that is not a, an Apple device, not an iOS device, not a macOS device? And so uh, independently of any of the decision, I trans- I transition all of those onto uh, Evernote uh, and uh, and other apps that are that are multi-platform so that again was not a problem because uh, the Android uh, marketplace excuse me the the Google Play Store which has uh, all the Android apps on it, almost ev- really every single multi-platform data, data tool that I was using on the iPhone had a one-to-one feature-complete analog uh, on the on Android. So it was just as simple as download the app for Android, sign into that device, and now, boom, every single piece of data that I've been collecting over the past year is now available on the Android device, uh, easy as you please. Um, the only thing that's a little bit uh, tricky is syncing media and music. Mm-hmm. Even then, it's sort of uh, half, you know, has six of one half dozen of the other in terms of how easy it is to, to to go. Here again, Apple sort of helped me to make the transition by releasing iTunes 11. Uh, I would always say that uh, iTunes is is a real as a real force multiplier when you're trying to manage your music on a mobile device, it will just make everything so much simpler to to use. And with iTunes 11, Apple actually made it more difficult, at least for me, to manage multiple playlists and keep those things maintained. I still love smart playlists, but in terms of having those those human curated playlists that let you assemble things very, very quickly and decide what you want to watch, what you want to listen to at any given moment, uh, it just took it down a notch and made it, that much easier for me to work with a device that doesn't necessarily require iTunes in order to sync. Uh, and there are a whole bunch of uh, tools out there. I use a, uh, a tool called iSync, uh, or it could be called iSynker. I'd have to I'd have to double check it. Uh, but uh, it's uh, you connect via USB. It recognizes the presence of the device. It will sync any playlist uh, off of iTunes you'd like. Um, I choose this solution over others because uh, it will also sync. Uh, uh, play counts and uh, and uh, skip counts. So uh, most of my smart playlists on iTunes uh, are fueled by uh, knowing that okay, well this here is a here is a playlist of. Uh, two gigabytes worth of music that I really, really like that I haven't heard recently. And so when it gets synced back, it knows that he just – l- he listened to that Sinatra track yesterday. So we'll now remove this from that playlist and replace it with something he hasn't heard in the past two weeks. So that was something that I missed until I found a syncing solution that uh, would actually restore that kind of functionality. So now that I've got all that working – I don't miss it. It's a. It is a little bit more difficult to keep this device synced up uh, with all its all of its media, uh, but it's certainly a surmountable problem. And and really and also to I, although I lose that kind of ease of uh, of syncing from iTunes, remember that uh, uh, I do get the win of uh, this. Uh, most Android dev- almost all Android devices have a micro SD card slot, so the whenever I want to just take a, a video file. Uh, that I've from a DVD I've ripped and put it on the device, uh, I, it's always annoyed me that I have to first add it to my iTunes library and then sync it from the iTunes library into this device through an intermediary of uh, checkboxes that tell me, yes, please uh, uh, take uh, take Pixar's Brave and do please put this on this phone. Uh, whereas on the Android device, really all I have to do is drag that MP4 file onto this card, then put the card inside the device, and then the video player uh, on Android will simply find it and play it without uh, without really making me going through hoops to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Given your experiences, do you think that there are any lessons that Apple could learn from Android?
1: They don't, necess- they don't necessarily need to make uh, iOS as much of the wild, wild west as Android is. I mean, for heaven's sake, if you want to, quote, jailbreak, unquote, an Android device, you go into settings, you flip a switch that says, allow this phone to run software from unsigned app libraries. And now, essentially, you can run any software from everywhere. Uh, Because the iPhone does benefit greatly from, uh, from being as tightly locked down and as tightly managed as it is. But they do need to understand that if there's a small lesson, it's that there are two different kinds of ease of use. There's the sort of ease of use that makes something easy to use for the first week that someone owns it and then there's the ease of use that keeps it easy to use a year from the day they buy it. And so I think that sometimes that they uh, they put a feature or put a design on the wrong side of that line where they are so concerned about keeping something simple that they ship something that's that's shipped down and underpowered that they're so focused on the features that 80 percent of the users or 90 percent of the users are uh, think that matters that they forget that it's a different 80 to 90 percent for every person that if you simply uh omit 10 percent of the features that the feature set that this phone can do you're leaving a lot of people in the dust uh, as time after time after time something works adequately but not really really well uh so i would like to see apple sort of loosen the loosen the purse strings a little bit and allow their users to have a little bit more control uh, I, I mean as i as as i said a little bit earlier that it kind of uh, boggles me that something as simple as a user setting buried deep in the interface where a neophyte user will never see it and will never be confused by it but it's waiting there like a precious little jewel for somebody who wants to dig with their hands in the sand for uh, for all of 10 minutes to find this thing that's buried there uh, and they flip that switch and suddenly a problem that they were experiencing with, with the phone no longer exists and it works that much better it's a little bit more custom fit for what they do it it, it I'm a, i don't understand why that is considered to be a really, really bad thing to do to the phone because uh, you you don't want to give your, your users infinite options because they'll cause infinite problems. But there is a happy medium between what iOS is now and what Android is that I think Apple should uh, start steering a little bit closer towards.
0: Well, I think that's something that a lot of us want, uh, not just in iOS but also in the macOS, is that Pro switch or the I know what I'm doing switch. Yeah. where things do become much easier to share information, for example, on, on iOS. As you say, on Android, it's easier. Yes, Apple offers the share button with some limited options, but much of the time you find, no, that's not really going to work. I have to put it on Dropbox, so then I can take it to a different app, mung with it there, and then finally get to get it to where I want it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, moving... Um, we haven't talked about iPad, uh, and uh, I'll I'll just say that uh, my iPad use is completely unaffected by all of this uh, because, uh, first of all, Android on large tablets is still just absolutely hopeless. The apps aren't the, – the app marketplace for uh, for Android phones is rich and robust. I mean I would not have made this switch if there weren't the apps that I needed on it. Uh, but it's still a hopeless situation. Uh, there's just nothing that takes advantage of a 10-inch uh, tablet on there. Uh, but even so, I find myself sort of weaning myself off of iCloud because I just feel as though it's, – it's a, it's a wonderful service for uh, a certain kind of user who just wants to make sure that the docs that they create on their desktop are also available on their phone and on their tablet and on their, their MacBook in addition to their iMac. But for someone who has a little bit more robust need for document syncing, you really have to go with SkyDrive or Dropbox or any of the alternatives. Uh, and unfortunately, it has, that sort of has a cas- – it, it, you, you – it's so important to occasionally take a couple of steps back from your workflow and how you do things and just look at it as objectively as possible. Try to take that step outside of your own body and observe your own decisions and your own behavior. And uh, I, when I uh, came to really love the iPad uh, with the first-generation hardware – and came to find myself just using it time and time and time again and finding that gee, I don't even need to take my my MacBook out with me because my iPad with this Bluetooth keyboard will do everything that I really wanted to do. This is great. Um, only fairly recently did I realize how much I've adapted my workflow to suit the limitations that Apple's imposing on it. Because I do like to have a word processor with formatting in it, and right now, because Apple really has done almost nothing to support rich text formatting for third-party software, the only solution to that is Pages. Uh, and there's their Doc syncing solution; it works well, but the only solution that really works well through iCloud is again, I work in the iLife apps, mm-hmm. so. Uh, Scrivener, which is a a, a writing tool that I absolutely adore, that I don't hesitate to recommend to anybody. Really, for someone who does writing on a professional level, uh, writing the sort of things that take more than a day to conceive, research, and write, Scrivener is the tool you want. It's uh, for Windows, it's for Mac, and I've kind of Stopped using it for most of my work because, unfortunately, it's not available for iPad. I really have to switch to if I want to use the Apple iPad and Apple's document syncing service. I have to use the Apple piece of software in order to do it. And it wasn't until I did take that those two steps out of my body and realized that wait a minute, for, so if Apple makes any change to the way any of this works, you are hosed. You have to simply ch- to you've adapted, you've given away so much and done so much adaptation to trust all of your life to this one company's products. And if it's really is the best solution for you, there's nothing wrong with that. But is that the best solution for you? And so over the past couple months, I realized that, gee, I really don't like the fact that I have to go through hoops in order to share a document from iCloud to somebody else. Uh, It's very much a mother may I sort of procedure to do that. And so I've really started transitioning most of my work Uh, back to Dropbox for syncing. Uh, And although I've never been a fan of the Markdown uh, text editing uh, scheme, uh, I've really tried to sort of train my brain to use it because if uh, the iPad still doesn't support great text editing with any app but pages – Pages is now a big enough liability that I will switch to Markdown so I can do all my word processing and text, uh, which means that now I can – which has the added benefit that now I can switch back to Scrivener uh, for all my projects uh, on the uh, on the desktop. And when Scrivener comes uh, – when uh, Literature and Latte comes out with an iPad version of Scrivener in the near future, and if it's wonderful, then I will be very, very well poised to complete my workflow uh, uh Edge to edge with the the app that I want that's not made by Apple using a sync mechanism that gives me the greatest amount of flexibility. So this is these are the sort of things that um I, that that make me worry about the decisions that Apple is making. And again, it's it's not anything, not even close to I think that Apple is doomed or Apple is in a tailspin or anything like that. Uh, the numbers, the sheer numbers of how. Much money they're making and how many of these products they're selling shows that they are they have figured out who they want to sell to, and that person is eager to buy the stuff that they make. What I wonder about is if five years from now we're going to be talking about uh, the iPhone and the iPad and the mac OS not as the tool that lets you do anything you want to imagine, but the tool that's exceptionally good at the limited number of things that you were we wanted to you wanted it to do when you first bought it and used it for the first month. Um, it's uh, it, it kind of disappoints me that so many of these technologies that Apple's developed that I really, really like have not been able to grow and expand with me. And there was a point at which I really did have to jump off of this horse and jump onto another horse.
0: So for those who've listened this far without setting their um, listening <laughs> devices on fire.
1: Apple buy, Apple, sells you another one. It's, that's, <laughs> that's how Apple's paying me to write this sort of stuff.
0: So what's it going to take for you to switch back to an iPhone?
1: um a bunch of th- a bunch of things are going to have to happen um, number one they have to do a larger screen for real uh i uh, i was uh, i was i had it in the back of my mind that this might be a good time for me to switch uh in the fall i was holding off to see what ios 6 was going to be like and what the iphone 5 was going to be like and when ios 6 was very very good but didn't address a lot of the things that i really liked about android and when iphone 5 was really okay fine they gave me a couple of extra lines uh, in a scrolling list, but it really isn't effectively a bigger screen. That really left the door open for me. So uh, a larger screen would be part of it, but I think that they're going to have to make it a lot easier for me to be productive with this device. Um, the, uh, it's it's going to have to be about uh, sharing data and moving data between apps and not just between the apps that Apple has written and published, but between all apps everywhere. Uh, and they're going to have to make it a little bit easier for me to – fix things about it that I don't really like. Um, a lot of people have made the point that uh, there is a, a very, very uh, lush, jailbreaking community uh, for if you go to the city of repro- – uh, jailbreak your phone and go to the city of repositories, you'll find a lot of the customization tools that I really, really want. Uh, and that is, that is a credible point to make. But I would further say that the fact that there are these lush tools and this lush alternative available uh, kind of points out to the fact that I think Apple is really leaving a bunch of people behind. Um, and again, it, that has nothing to do with the success of the company, but I'm not sure if uh, I, I, you, you remember when the slogans for Apple used to be "the power to be your best" mm-hmm. and "the computer for the rest of us." And you, I would worry if in 2015, 2016, it's the power that lets you be pretty good, make just <laughs> fine. No, no, the, the 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 power to be just perfectly as good as 80 percent of whatever anybody else is doing and the computer for the people who really are easy for us to predict what it is that they expect and want to do with this device it's like (laughs) this i don't feel as there are times with i'm limiting these these comments of the iphone but i don't feel as though the iphone is is for the crazy ones the square peg in the round hole it's for the (laughs) apple shaped peg in the apple shaped hole at this point
0: Uh, but doesn't this basically realize Steve jobs statement that the computer or this computer like device should be an appliance. And so not something you should have to mess around with, but look, it, it makes toast.
1: Well, I mean, C was wrong about a lot of things. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and that's, and that is a, a, that is a lovely and a valid statement when it's applied, applied very broadly, but I don't think anybody wants to go to the sofa store and find one sofa, yeah. and say, "This is the sofa. We've designed the perfect sofa. Here's your receipt. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, we we charge it to you. Now it's all, it's already in your car. You're welcome. We we've removed from you the the complexity of shopping for a sofa. And when someone says, "Well, no, actually, I wanted something I, like I'm on an ottoman. Well, you don't want, people don't use ottomans. I do. Well, you're not people then. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a, uh, you, you can design a toaster that way." But the problem is that they're not – then you get some guy who approaches this machine with a bagel and then he's kind of hosed. Uh, And then you realize that not everybody wants to put in two slices of thin bread and come Mm -hmm. out with toast of a certain shade. Um, There's a a need for a wide spectrum of devices. Um, It's a a wonderful philosophical discussion to get into because I think that uh, Apple can succeed the way they do because there are so many alternatives for people who don't fit into that kind of Apple mold. And I'm also not saying that people uh, shouldn't be ideal consumers for Apple devices, but if Apple were in a position where they really do have to serve the needs of people with a wide spectrum of needs, I wonder how successful they would be. I wonder how long it would take them uh, to adapt and modify what they do so that they can actually sell uh, to a wider variety of people. We have noticed that Uh, At first, Apple said that resisted the urge to create a larger screen of any kind, and then they came out with the iPhone 5, which says, see, we've solved the problem of larger screens by making it into a better screen, and now it seems as though every rumor is saying that they are going to produce an iPhone with a legitimately larger screen, and right now that's just a rumor, but I wouldn't be surprised because the the numbers are saying that uh, people just want things with a legitimately larger screen – and of course apple will never say well of course we guessed wrong to begin with uh, but it, it it when you when you toss these devices into the, the scrum with other devices that are kind of similar but with a range of choices that's the only time that apple will ever ever learn that okay it turns out that a 7-inch tablet is a useful and popular thing uh, it turns out that we don't have to – we can We can ship an iPad that's a little bit smaller without a, a piece of sandpaper for it to help people to sand their fingertips mm. down to operate the buttons. Um, it's – as I say, I, I think that when Apple listens to what customers are doing uh, and Apple listens to when customers are saying that – uh, here's an alternative device that's selling extremely well, and the reason why it's ex- selling extremely well is because you guessed wrong when you said here's well, here's the perfect device for all kinds of people. That causes them to mature a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry if my answer is all over the place, but uh, no, it, no. It, it, it's, it's not. It's not a very concise sort of problem for them to solve. Uh, I, I, I guess I could sum it up by saying that how many companies really want to be banging and Olufsen? Right. Which they they make beautifully designed equipment that practically nobody can afford and which don't deliver a range of features that are relevant to the market for audio equipment. And they, they find that there are enough people who adore their design aesthetic and adore the things and, and, and value the same things that Apple, uh, uh, Apple also value and admire. But these are not – it's a way to sort of turn yourself into an emphatically niche product that doesn't speak to the greatest number of people. I mean Apple shows off its excellence with a product like the iPad or with a product like uh, the the MacBook Air. Um, A company like uh, Google shows off their excellence by shipping the $250 Chromebook where it is not the – it's made out of plastic, not milled aluminum. It is not the single most sophisticated, sleek and powerful computer known to mankind but it's a very functional Powerful laptop that costs two hundred fifty dollars that more people can afford. You know uh, that uh, that uh, y- you can fault Amazon for not producing something as well made uh, and with a high level of quality control as the iPad, but give them credit that when they sold the very first Kindle book reader, it cost something like four hundred fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. And although they now make for less than four hundred fifty dollars a Kindle with the color screen, uh, multi-touch, ability to play movies and run apps. They have also took essentially the feature set of the original $450 Kindle, and now they sell the exact same thing for $69. And what is is more glorious, Uh, a beautifully designed, perfect, flawless – Industrially designed object that few people can afford, or some kid who can get this for his birthday, and now they have access to twenty thousand books for free for life uh, in one single device that they can put in their back pocket and not worry that the thing's going to get stolen out of off out of them. Uh, it's there. There are all kinds of different ways to uh, to uh, attend to the needs of users. And I'm glad that there are so many different companies taking so many different approaches to that because that's the only way that the needs of everyone is going to be covered.
0: Right. Okay. And I'd like to wrap up with you removing the temptation for me to write in the comments, oh, for crying out loud, <laughs> and state, just so it's very clear to everyone reading this, that you are not telling people what to buy, that these are the opinions and views of one Mr. Andy Anatko.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's as if there's anything I didn't like about the way that I wrote that series is that I really want, it's it's not so much that, that I felt as though I could convince people that, uh, um, there there are a certain number of people who will never see this as uh, a simple statement of, this is just my choice for my computing needs for my phone. I'm not making a larger statement about Apple or anything. Uh, so I I, I didn't believe that I could talk any, those kind of people down from that cliff. I did feel as though when they made those complaints that I could really make them look stupid by pointing to several different places. (laughs) Here, here is paragraph number two in which I said, this is the story of a dude who switched phones. This is not a story about Apple losing their way. Um, I'm again all I can say is I'm sorry uh and largely I'm sorry that you really do need external validation for your own choices. Uh if I were ever to create a business plan and a mission statement for what I do as a writer, I think that in Latin carved in some sort of rare wood over the lintel of my worldwide headquarters would be <laughs> I am my my purpose in life is not to validate you and your personal prejudices. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something else entirely but it's certainly i can't tell you, i don't know exactly what it is but it's certainly not that i'm still a very nice person chris you are i know i i my, my mother loved me a lot and she had a good reason to love me because i was a very lovable person still
0: am you still are every Thank time you. i see and speak with you uh you are as lovable as ever uh, so, if, if you haven't uh, raised or lowered your blood pressure uh, in the last week or so, you may want to check out Andy's Why I from iPhone to Android, which is on techhive.com and it's also on mackerel.com. I will provide links in the show notes. And thank you very much for being here, Andy. Thanks so much, Chris. And that wraps up this edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Andy Anatko and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.